Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Big thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and a special thanks to all my patrons who are still supporting me. And if there's anyone out there who wants to join these fantastic guys, it's patreon.com slash if you want to support. Thanks again to everyone who does and thank you to everyone for listening. Today I will go through how I got on last week at the Danish Nationals and in the end I'll also answer a couple of questions from you guys. And sorry if I sound a little bit different today, I'm uh, struggling a little bit uh, with my health, but uh, I'm all good and it's not COVID or anything, so uh, yeah, I'm just sorry if you can tell the difference from my voice. Anyway, let's get going. Last week, as I said, I was playing the Danish Nationals. It was in Espia, which is on the west coast of Denmark, three hours from Copenhagen and where I live just outside Copenhagen. Um, the four highest seeded players in the Danish Nationals starts in the quarterfinal. And since I was seeded second, as neither Victor Axelsen or Rasmus Gemke participated for different reasons, I was the second seeded player, Anas Antonsen the first. Uh, I started my tournament in the quarterfinal. I was up against Magnus Johannesson, one of our young hopeful talents, one of the guys who are also in the national team setup. And I'm sure some of you guys will already know him. And at the Nationals, I think, uh, or anyone that follows the Danish National will remember that a couple of years ago, he actually beat Anders Antonsen in the uh, first round. So obviously he's a very talented guy and someone you cannot take lightly. And he also gave me a lot of trouble in this match. Magnus had played a couple of matches to make the quarterfinals. So for him, it was his third match. And for me, yeah, the, the first match in the tournament. I felt a little bit slow on court when I was playing him, nothing roading or anything. Actually, it was quite good considering I went into the event still struggling a little bit with my right hamstring. I pulled a muscle a little bit at the World Championships back in December and I've been struggling to, to get rid of it completely. So I went into the tournament not knowing exactly uh, where I was in terms of my, my fitness levels and if I would be able to move at 100% and yeah as I said I, I felt a little slow going into uh, not going into but I felt a little slow on court when I uh, when I played Magnus. I also feel like I lacked a little bit of discipline not, not much I was still playing at a, at a pretty decent level um, but he kept on pumping my my deep forehand corner a lot. A lot of players do that because they feel like I'm a lot more dangerous from my round the head, which is also correct. Uh, so it is a tactic that I've been up against quite a few times. Um, usually I think I'm quite good at handling it because if people just pump my forehand all the time, I actually feel like I have enough weapons there to also to make some points. But in this match, I was a little bit more annoyed about it, so I didn't really focus on the right things and uh, that meant that I, I didn't really find the solutions to also hit winners from my from my forehand. Uh, but I, I 
feel like I, f- I felt that I was sometimes a little bit too eager because I kind of knew that he was gonna keep pumping that forehand. So I was just eager to take advantage of that. And uh, yeah, when I'm too eager, like my execution and everything is not as smooth as it should be. And when you take away that few percentages, percentages, my attack is just not good enough to uh, to get through uh, the defense of a guy like Maunus, who has a really good defense actually. But anyway, I lost the first game 26-24. I missed a huge chance to, to wrap it up on one of my game points. Uh, so it was obviously a bit of a blow that I ended up losing that game. Um, and didn't start well in the second either. I was down 11-7. But it was like at that point, I, I found more discipline in my game and I, a lot more patience actually. So I, I kind of up the pace a little bit and then just made him work for his points and forced him to find his own solutions. So my defense is, is also quite good and, and his attack is, is not always the best. He lacks a little bit of power. And so yeah, I, I chose to just start forcing him into make, creating his own points and uh, he, he wasn't able to do that and started giving away more points to me. Uh, but that's a tactic that can only work if I have the, the right patience uh, and if I stay disciplined. I think I won that second game with 21-14 or something like that. Uh, so yeah, from 11-7 down, it was it was quite good actually. He kept on pumping that forehand side of mine uh, in the third game as well. I, I kept allowing it for a while uh, with, with the right discipline again. Uh, but when things got a little bit close uh, midway through the uh, the third game, I, I decided that now I was going to try and anticipate that he would play that corner and take advantage of it again. Uh, so I made a couple of changes of pace to the forehand side, anticipating the, the shots from him and, and had success with it uh, this time. Um, but I also feel like that this time it was actually a... A choice that that I I made it, it wasn't just something I, I did uh, automatically or because I was eager it was actually a conscious choice of mine to to make these changes of pace and uh, and I uh, I got rewarded for it that gave me a good run of points and uh, yeah from midway through the third game I was I was in control of that third game I then ended up blowing three or four match points to make it a little bit close in the end, but yeah, wrapped it up 21-18, sorry. That made me make it through to the semi-final where I had Victor Svensson waiting for me. He is the guy who's ranked five in the national team. Like obviously it's it's Victor Anders Gemke, myself in, in, in that order. And I know Victor is not in the training center every day but he's still like the number one from Denmark. Victor is number five so he's obviously the guy that, uh, that I'm trying to keep behind me in terms of uh, getting picked for for team events and stuff like that. Uh, so there was that on the line in, in the match between us but I think more importantly I had lost to him big time the last time I played him in the Danish league. I put in a really really poor performance at the same time as him playing really well in that match. So I got killed on court, which was uh, definitely not one of my best experiences uh, in the in the Danish league. So I felt like I had to prove a point that that was, uh, that was a, a one-time thing and that I'm, I'm still uh, a little bit better uh, than him. And also to show my club that if we need, if we 
get to play them again in the final four uh, of the Danish league, there will uh, there will be a better chance that I can win that time compared to uh, to the previous league match. So I think I had a lot of at stake and I, I felt very motivated going to the match. Obviously, we also played for a national uh, championship final. I, I honestly didn't think too much about that. It was, it was more I was out to, to kind of prove a point. Um, yeah, and, and on court, I felt a lot better in terms of my movements. I also felt like I had a clear mind. I was very focused. I knew what I had to do in terms of my tactics. I, I knew what kind of uh, state of mind I needed to adapt for the match. Uh, and I, I just felt good on court all the way through. I, I felt like it was it was my match to win and I, I, I knew what I needed to do. Um, even when I let a 2016 lead slip in that first game and uh, he came back to 20 all, I I actually felt okay. Uh, obviously, a little bit stressed about the the score line, but I actually reminded myself that it didn't matter too much if I won or lost that first game. I just needed to stay focused and disciplined and and focus on the plan that I had already made. Then I would I would be good looking. Uh, long term into the match so even if I lost that first game if I if I stayed focused on my tactics I felt like I would get away with a win in the long run I then ended up winning the first game 23-21 and uh, I, I think his game fell apart a little bit in the second as he he seemed to tighten up a little bit I think there was also obviously a lot at stake for him he, he was actually the defending national champion uh, as he won it last year where uh, none of the three top guys uh, participated, uh, but yeah, so he he seemed to tighten up because uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe because he was losing or because of the situation, uh, or he was a little surprised that I was playing rather differently compared to the last time we played. Uh, I didn't give away stupid points. I didn't invite any of the fast flat exchanges, exchanges or flat lifting. Yeah, I was I was playing with a lot of discipline and uh, that made it pretty hard for him to to create his uh, his own points. So I think for me it was it was a really good performance. I'm very happy with how I handled myself a court. I'm happy with the level and my movement and uh, yeah, for me it was a uh, it was a good win. That made me go on to the final where I was up for a pretty, pretty tough challenge against Anna Santonsen, who in his first two matches, quarterfinal and semifinal, had just completely destroyed his opponents, Messiul um, Müller, a young talent from my club, Højbjerg, and also Rasmus Messerschmidt from Berlusse, who is a, a very good player, uh, who's playing mostly in the Danish tournaments, also some international ones, but He's been beating uh, all of the good guys in Denmark uh, yeah, every now and then. I think he has a w- he has a couple of wins against me. He's beaten Anders before. I think he's maybe also beaten Jan uh, back in the days. And every now and then he produces a a very good result. So he's he's a a good player. And I think Anders beat him 21-4, 21-7 in the semifinal. So I think that says a bit about what a level Anders was playing at this uh, last week. Uh, and I actually think I played pretty well against him in the final, <laughs> but I just didn't stand a chance. I, I lost 21-12, 21-11. In general, like his pace was just much higher, um, especially in the front of the court. He was he was just dominating from there with both pace and also accuracy, making me work really hard. And his quality, shot quality, was just uh, yeah 
perfect all the time, I felt. So I, I was rather stressed on some occasions, which resulted in me making some easy mistakes, or I wouldn't even call it easy mistakes, but making mistakes or just poor decision making. It wasn't that I wasn't clear in my mind of what I needed to do and had to do. It was simply just the pace was too high for me to execute the plan 100% as I would have liked to. But as I said, I actually feel like I played a pretty good match and I think the crowd got a nice match, the TV viewers as well. So even though I lost 11 and 12, I thought I delivered a good performance uh, and yes yeah, sometimes uh, you just got to acknowledge that you're playing someone who's just uh, better than you and that, that was the case in this one. Uh, I had a good mindset, I fought with everything, I, I felt uh, okay on court. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually quite content with the, the performance I put in and uh, I, I'm not going to complain about that. And now I have five silver medals at the Danish Nationals, so obviously I would have liked to, uh, to have a, a gold at some point. but. Uh, I've lost five finals to Victor Axelsen, Arne Sentonsen twice, and uh, Janu Jørgensen as well. So it's it's world class players, and it's just tough to uh, to win the Danish Nationals. I uh, I've had a couple of shots actually where none of the best guys have been playing, but in, in those on those occasions, uh, for various reasons, I've not been able to perform. So. Uh, yeah, five silvers is what it is, and uh, I'm also proud of that. It's it's not a lot of players who've been in the five Danish national championship finals, so there is some pride about that. And uh, yeah, I'll try again uh, next year, and we'll see if uh, if I can get that elusive gold medal. So yeah, that was it for the uh, the nationals last week. Now next up for me is two Danish league matches next week on Tuesday and Thursday to wrap up the uh, group stage of the Danish league to see if we qualify for final four which looks very likely. After that I have a week of training where all the other guys are going to German Open um, or yeah a couple of weeks um, and then I will be focusing on the all England and Swiss Open that is the next two international events for me. Let's move on to the listener questions. I picked out two. One is from San Vandenberg from, uh, from Belgium. And he says that he feels like badminton is becoming less popular in Belgium at the moment because of the pandemic. And do we struggle with the same here in Denmark? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I picked this question for a couple of reasons. Uh, but let me start by saying that yes, I do feel like the clubs here f- can feel the impact of the pandemic what from what i'm hearing is that they have especially a hard time getting all the volunteers back to work so the the club culture and structure here in denmark is really dependent on people volunteering to do a lot of work for the club without any kind of pay Uh, and it's been kind of hard to get all the volunteers back because they found other other interests or started doing other things during the pandemic when the sport was closed down for for quite some time and also some of the volunteers has had a lot to do during the pandemic uh, with the badminton to get it back and uh, make sure all the restrictions were upheld and uh, yeah, yeah, that all the players played by the rules and, and did everything that they were supposed to do to, to make badminton work. So they've been having a, a really hard time. I don't know if we could say that a lot of players have has been lost. Um, 
Sam is mentioning that a lot of players are playing paddle now in, in Belgium and there's no doubt that paddle is also a growing sport in Denmark and it, it takes more and more athletes. Um, but I don't think it has anything especially to do with the pandemic. It's been growing here for quite a few years and you will see paddle arenas and paddle courts popping up in every Danish city almost uh, at, at right now. I think in, generally we've been struggling for quite a few years with losing badminton players in Denmark. The trend was stopped a couple of years ago, and I, th I think now it's it's just stable. It's not really growing. If it is, it's it's very very slowly. So yeah, in general, uh, the popularity of the sport is definitely uh, under pressure compared to the past, and that is actually one of the reasons why I chose this question because right now in Denmark, there is one of the most popular comedians in Denmark, if not the most popular. He's really like a a A list. A celebrity in Denmark, Frank Wapp. He is currently hosting a three-part series called Make Babinson Great Again on Danish national TV, where he's discussing why Babinson does not have the same popularity as it used to, even though we are still producing world-class constantly. So a lot of world-class results, but we're not being celebrated in the same way. There's not a lot of uh, the same amount of players still playing. We don't get the same kind of media attention, even media attention even though it's been better uh, the past couple of years uh, so he, he's trying to investigate and see what why is that and how, how do we make badminton popular again in the way that he feels like it deserves and even though he's a comedian and you would think that maybe he's just taking the piss frank is actually a former badminton player himself he has a lot of respect for the sport i spoke to him myself uh, for this the show in to talk about the the Thomas Cup win in, in 2016 and he was really taking his role seriously and I think the the show so far we've seen the first two episodes the final one is today I think he's really presented the sport in a uh, in a great way and I think it's a big advantage actually that a guy who's as famous and highly liked as him it's a big advantage for us that he's taking it up because he, he is making it fun in a in a good way so that people who are not really that into badminton actually also feel like it's it's a fun show to watch even though it's about badminton history and stuff like that that wouldn't necessarily be fun for an outsider so i think he's done a great job with this show and uh, i'm looking forward to watch the uh, the final episode today unfortunately it's not the uh, subtitle or anything so if you're not a danish speaker i don't think it's uh, gonna be a lot of fun to watch it Final question from someone called K-H-G-F-Y-K-F-D, what a name. Uh, he is asking as an old player himself, what is my recovery routine during a multi-day tournament? And I think, like in general, I would say a cool down straight after my match has been played and after interviews and stuff like that, I will do a cool down for 10-15 minutes. Um, then I will get something to eat, but even more importantly for me, drink. Uh, so like a protein bar or a snack, something like that, and then also a protein drink and a lot of electrolytes and uh, and yeah, other good stuff uh, in it. And the reason why I say it's even more important for me to start drinking a lot is that I sweat like 
like crazy. So if I don't start drinking straight away, uh, I will just uh, be dehydrated the, the next day when I, I have to play my, my next match. So that is really, really important for me and I need to do it as soon as possible after I get off court. Then I will go back to the hotel and get a like a treatment and a massage or something like that. If that's not possible for you as a club level player, uh, I think active recovery, like spending 15, 25 minutes on a bike, uh, just wheeling a little bit, not not doing anything with a lot of uh, a lot of resistance, but a, a little bit of resistance uh, to to get the the body uh, going again is uh, is a good way to to do the recovery. It could also be stretching or foam rolling. I've never really been uh, been into that a lot. Uh, probably should have, but never made it a good habit when I was younger. And yeah, nowadays I just. I don't really have the motivation to uh, to get that started, and the other things seem to work fine for me. So the yeah, that's how I uh, I do stuff. And then obviously I try to get to bed at a good time as well to recover even better, get enough sleep. But it's not always possible if you play late matches, right? So everything obviously depends on the schedule. Anyway, that's gonna be it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening, for asking your questions as well. I hope to be back with the podcast next week, actually, um, between the uh, the final two league matches or maybe after them, um, to yeah give you guys an update from there. Thanks again for listening, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.